and welcome back to Thickcast. I am your host, Molly Edwards, and today joining me, I have Liam from HR Labs. Hello. That was good. Good start. <laughs> how are you? You're right. Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know who you are, who are you? <laughs> uh, I am Liam. I am uh, I'm Liam Armstrong. I'm the owner of HR Labs, uh, a UK supplement brand which launched in 2019, just one year before the pa- pandemic all kicked off. So. I guess in some ways we were lucky, in some ways we weren't. Um, and I have been in the industry for uh, around about, I could probably tell you exact about 18 years. So, um, yeah, the supplement industry and fitness industry, eight, 18 years. So I've kind of watched it change and I've kind of been involved in almost kind of every aspect of it as well, I suppose. Yeah. So you've competed before in bodybuilding. Strongman as well, am I right in thinking? Powerlifting. Powerlifting. Yeah, bodybuilding and powerlifting. So that was, that's, I, I started weight training when I was uh, 15 because I played rugby and uh, I'm only five foot eight and I don't even think I would have been five foot eight at 15. I was probably about five foot six. And then when you start playing Colts, which in Scotland anyway is under 18s and everybody else is still growing and you've got blokes that are six foot and 15 stone. And you're ten stone and five foot six. Yeah, uh, you know it's uh, doesn't matter how good you are, the physicality kind of side of the game uh, is always going to be in their favour. So I started lifting weights to put a bit of a bit of size on for my rugby, and then kind of got hooked. But I, I didn't start seriously weight training until I think I was around about seventeen. Um, I was still playing rugby, doing a lot of rock climbing, um, did a lot of running. Just was basically into sport and did a did a lot of lot of everything really and uh, and then I got kind of hooked on the on the training and in uh, Perth, which is my hometown in Scotland, uh, there was a little gym called Scorpios. Um, proper, I mean, when people talk about hardcore gyms, this was literally an old garage that was at the bottom of the old high street in Perth. Go down the cobbled cobbled little kind of alleyway, old fashioned wooden doors for what was a mechanics garage. And uh, inside, there was carpet laid down on the floor to stop it being uneven because of the cobbles. There literally wasn't a floor. And it was just loaded with weights. You didn't even have anybody manning the gym. You went, it was like an honesty box. So you just went in and paid your two pounds and put your name down on the piece of paper. And that was it. Um, and myself and my friend went down there. And to be fair, all the, all the lads, I'm still friends with the vast majority of them now, were all like, welcome in. And it was obviously, work, that had been in like 20 uh, 2000 and 2000 yeah that'd have been about right yeah and about 2000 so there was no there was no online coaching or anything like that it was pretty much went down the gym and it was old school the guys at the gym that had experience helped you out told you what to do I think I actually downloaded a, a put on muscle plan thing from from the internet, like it was literally like a fifty-page PDF that I think I paid like thirty dollars for or something from some guy in the states, and it basically just, you know, told you the benefits of eating more protein, how to train, all the rest of it, and I was, I was kind of stuck to that as my blueprint. So I started force feeding myself. My parents' food bill went through the roof, and uh, and that was it. Yeah, 
and then and then and then eventually when I was when I was eighteen, uh, I moved to Edinburgh, and the guys that run the BMBF and still run the BMBF, uh, Vicky McCann and Guy Addison, um, they trained at the gym that I started training at, and I got chatting to them, and they suggested that I, I compete, so I competed as a junior in the BMBF uh, in twenty. I don't know why I keep trying to say these dates because I can't fucking remember. Right, <laughs> be like. Whenever, whenever, yeah, two thousand, yeah, probably must be. Yeah, it was two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and then, and then, um, yeah, did a few shows, did all right. To be fair, I won the Scottish uh, Championships when I was a junior, and then um, came second in the Britain twice. Bit put out about that. Didn't have the chance to win it because back in the day, it used to be twenty-one was the cutoff for juniors, not twenty-three. So oh. I only had a couple of years to try and do it, you know, and that was it. Um, but I also competed in the EFBB, which was what the UKBFF was formerly called. Right, okay, yeah. The UKBFF, obviously, now is not as prominent as it was, but before the the birth of the PCA, oh, ABBA, just... and, yeah. and the UKBFF, that was it. You didn't have any any other federations, really. Um, in, in the UK, certainly, it was, yeah, you had the, the, the EFBB was obviously the English, um, part of the of the IFBB. Um so when I competed it wasn't even the UK BFF yet, it was still the FBB. Um but that was back when I was a junior and competed at the British finals in the FBB the, the year that uh James Flex Lewis won his won his first uh Britain as a as a junior. So we were we were both on stage together. But he, he won and I came fifth out of fifteen, which wasn't too bad considering I was natty as well. But um yeah so that was it. Competed as a competed as a as a bodybuilder, and then I, I, I didn't really like the dieting as much, um, as as some people do. <laughs> so I like I like my food. So I started I started powerlifting. So after that, I because I'd always lifted in that sense anyway. Yeah. But then I decided that if I was going to compete and I was going to have a goal and and uh, kind of uh, a target with my training, it was going to be the powerlifting side of things. So then I competed as a powerlifter right through until I was. 26 so i did a good yeah a good eight years or so competing at um regional level and then national level and then europeans worlds uh won the world championships when i was 26 which i think was 2010 and then uh my shoulders decided that they were uh they'd had enough of my lifting so i had to i had to get two major shoulder operations uh both shoulders in in 2000 and um 2012 2013 so i, I did my last ever competitive Last ever competition I did was 2011. Uh, in the January, I won the 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 overall best lifter at the Scottish the Scottish Nationals, and then and then I had to had to retire effectively at the ripe old age of 26, eh? 27, and that was it. So I've, and I've never I've never done anything since. Um, but the shoulder operations were all right, not too bad, and um, I'm back training now and enjoying it. But I don't I don't think I'll ever get back to the level that I was at. No. I've torn my hamstring. I've torn my tricep. I've got like scoliosis. I've got issues with my back. I've got issues with my knees. So I've been training for a long time, though. I suppose when you think about it, if I started, I started lifting weights when I was fifteen, and I'm thirty nine. So it's a fair old, a fair shift, like you know. Yeah, absolutely. But you're still very much involved in bodybuilding. Are you still very much involved in powerlifting as well, or not really? As 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 a brand, we still try to support. Um, the powerlifting feds so I've, I've got um a good friend of mine andrew kearney runs the the gpc scotland 
and we're the the supplement kind of sponsor for for those guys. He's just actually run the European Championships up in Scotland just this last week. Um, so he's doing some really good things for for powerlifting in Scotland, and we support them. And then also um, Tanya George and Paul George. Paul is an ex IFBB pro bodybuilder, and Tanya is a um, multiple world champion powerlifter. They run um, comps for the for the GPC. They do a thing called Tattooed and Strong, which was um, actually at the Manchester Convention Centre where where Fit Expo was this year. They have there's a thing called the Tattooed Tea Party, um, which is obviously all to do with tattoos and all the rest of it. But as a kind of fringe aspect of that, they started doing Tattooed and Strong, which was a powerlifting meet um, at that comp. And we've been, we've we've sponsored that since it started. I think it's been going for been going for a fair while now. So, yes, yeah, so we're involved with that as well. So we, um, we keep, keep keep involved as as much as we can, like like in the bodybuilding side of things as well. Um, you know that's why. When Darren from FitX asked if we wanted to get involved and, and, and sponsor shows, um, same with the BMBF, we're very much involved with what they do because I, I honestly believe that the BMBF and, and FitX are two of the kind of more, um, what's the, I don't know what the right word is. As much as it's a progressive sport, but I feel like the BMBF certainly has not kind of been swayed by um, the kind of modern influence as much. So, a lot of these federations have got 20, 30 classes now and cater for everybody. And they very much stuck with bodybuilding at the heart of the federation, you know, as it, as it should be, as I feel it should be. And I think FitX is, 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 is very much similar in that sense, you know. Is BMBF the one that they don't do bikini? Well, they do do bikini. Yeah, they don't do bikini, no. Okay. So I know one of the natural ones don't and they just do figure. Yeah, they just do figure. Uh, I think they, they only just, they, they've now... Only last year they started doing a uh, a men's athletic class because they don't do they don't do men's physique either. You see, yeah. So they very much because it's, it's it's old school. It's like when I started when I started training and you got into bodybuilding, you know, bodybuilding class one, two, three, and four, or the tall, short, and whatever class. That was that was what the the kind of sport was built around. Yeah. Certainly, in the last in the last kind of ten years, it started to deviate massively, and it's become far more inclusive. And there's classes that cater for all different kind of sizes and shapes and whatever else, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's has impacted the bodybuilding side of the sport. You know, uh, bodybuilding as bodybuilding is very much. I mean, I think if you go to a show now uh, with the weekend there, obviously we sponsored the yeah the, uh, the Fitex. Not an show that was in workshop, but um, we we sponsored that, and and for the first time in a long time, the the bodybuilding classes had more competitors than the other classes, you know. But yeah. if you go to a show, generally these days, you'll find that the classic bodybuilding and the men's physique will be, you know, the class size would be far greater than the bodybuilding, because I think as well, well, though, doesn't it? Like it can be very fashionable. That like everyone's like really big bodybuilder, or I think it was a few years ago. Men's physique was very fashionable, but I think being a lot of shows recently, I don't think many as many people are in men's physique. A lot of them are moving into classic, and I think classic. Exactly. Yeah. Now, it's, it's 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 I think the bodybuilding side of things, a certain from um from the outside looking in, obviously not you know normal people, your everyday kind of guy that goes to the gym, can aspire to look like or did aspire to look like a men's physique kind of physique, you know, and and, uh, and uh, 
or a classic physique, physique even. But yeah. there's not that many people aspire to look like, you know, Big Ramy or 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 Hadi Japan or whatever, you know, because it's it's so extreme now, you know. Yeah. Um But I think back in the day that when bodybuilding was bodybuilding, and that was you know you had Dorian Yates and you had all these guys, if you didn't want to look like that, then you just didn't do the sport. Yeah. You know? It was. It's a. It's it's strange. It is a strange one. Because it was either that, it was bodybuilding or nothing. It's, I guess obviously you have got the natural federations, but to get to the sizes that you need to get to now to do well in bodybuilding, it's a lot of drug use, if we're honest. Yeah. And it's not... It, ha- it's, it's elite level genetics. It's it's huge amounts of food. You know, uh, a monk-like existence when it comes to... You know, you're you're socializing and whatever else. You just literally are eating and and training and and sleeping and that's it. You know, and I think again, I was actually really interested. I was just watching a a thing, uh, only this week, on on uh, on Kevin Levroni's drug use mm. when he was at the at the height of his career, and it was literally, um, and this was his training partner was on speaking to him and and somebody else, and it was you know and it. And it kind of all correlated with what he'd said years ago. So everybody's kind of saying he's probably telling the truth. And the cycles that he was taking are like a fraction of what half your guys are taking now that are amateur, that are chasing. Because they haven't got the... They shouldn't be a bodybuilder, really. That's the thing. The unfortunate thing is there's a lot of people that have aspirations to be a bodybuilder, but they don't have the genetic capacity to do it, you know, and, and whatever else. And it's really not the sport for them, but like you say, with drug use and and, and whatever else, they yeah. can kind of they can kind of almost uh, override that to a certain extent and get themselves to a level where they can be competitive, but you know, to the detriment of what? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the that's the thing. You know, it's it's like I always say, if you're uh, if you want to be a a sprinter, you've got to be fast. Yeah. 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 If you're not fast. Then you're not, you know. Then sprinting's not for you. But bodybuilding these days, it's almost like they've got right. Okay, so you want to run sub ten? There's a sub ten class. There's this, there's the sprinting, sprinting, the sub twenty second class. And then there's the walking sprinting class. Do you know what I mean? It's like it would be like that. They, it's almost diluting the sport, in my opinion. Yeah, I get you. I get you. But it is. It's a lot of genetics, and I think it's a lot of. I guess as well with times changing and more social media and things. You put a picture up on you, and if you've got like the personality and stuff, and you get a lot of followers, you can look like shit on stage. As in, yeah. when you're looking at someone, right? You could be really massive, you could be lean, but you could be completely out of proportion and just look generally like crap. But because you look really lean and you've got that following, you're constantly getting that gratification of people being like, "You're amazing! You're amazing! You're amazing!" So then people think they are, and then they're pushing more and more and more. Because it must just be that I wasn't lean enough, so I'll take more diuretics. I'll take more fat burners. I'll push more drugs to get bigger. And it's it's kind of then that, then going more and more, because that's what they see. They don't see the genetic structure side of it, which is why they're not doing so well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, there's so many people that that just shouldn't... It's, 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 probably, it's, it's not harsh. It's not harsh. It's just facts. There's people that are doing the sport that shouldn't be doing the sport. And they get upset because they're like, oh, 
I'm ch- you know the, chasing a pro card, and, and you can you can literally sit them down and say, "Listen, mate, I'm not being funny. You're never going to be a professional bodybuilder yeah. because it's just it's just not in your DNA. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how hard you train, how well you eat, what you do, you just do not have the genetics. You just don't have them. You know, and, and a lot of people aren't willing to accept it. You know, I think it's that if you want to do it. Go and do it. Go do bodybuilding. If that's what makes you happy, go and do it. But also having that self-awareness that maybe you can do it and you can have fun with it, but you're not necessarily going to be winning anything. Yeah. It's not, yeah. If people see that, see it that way and it's, you know, this is something to do, it's a passion of mine, you know, it's, it's more than a hobby, it's lifestyle, all the rest of it, but I've got to have a, you know, I need a job, I need a career and all the rest of it and I need other things to make me happy in life. That's great, but it's the people that have got that single mindedness that think that bodybuilding is the answer, and that's all that that's what they that's what they exist for. And it's just it's a, it is a shame. Like a lot of it's to do with social media. Yeah, you know, really because sad. people see people see these these kind of unattainable physiques, or well, ge- you know, generally unattainable because you know these people are in the elite, and uh, you know, with what they're doing, and and they think, right, I can do that, I can be that, and and it's and they can't really, can they? Not everybody can. No. So it's like, I would imagine that half the people that are in uh, EastEnders, right? They didn't get into acting thinking, do you know what? I'm going to be in a stint in EastEnders for 25 years. I'm going to be in EastEnders for 25 years. They probably get into acting thinking, ah, I could be the next Brad Pitt. I could be the next whatever, uh, Tom Hanks. I can be the next, you know, Sigourney Weaver or whatever. And then it turns out, oh, no, nah, I'm actually a bit of shit. But I've got a good gig in EastEnders, so I'm going to stick with it. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's how it is. Not everybody can be the best at everything. And it seems, you know, how many... Uh, you say, well, look at the football. Football is a, is a perfect example because you've got to be a very good footballer to play in any of the uh, divisions, you know, the Premier League, and then you've got the Championship and everything under that. They're all still very good, you know, but you've got to be the, the elite of the elite to play in the, you know, in the Premier League. But in bodybuilding, for whatever reason, everybody that gets into it thinks, you know... I, I can be an IFBB pro. It's literally like being, you know, kicking a football about and going, "Yeah, I can play for Man City." I, yeah. I, it's strange, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know why it's like that. It's weird. I don't know why it's like that. Weird, but it's, it's a very strange sport. Um, so what were your kind of highlights from the show at the weekend? Then this was obviously your. Is this the only show you're doing this year? Sponsoring. Sponsoring, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, apps. Uh, BMBF finals as well. Oh, okay. So myself and um and Rick from Strom are both um sponsoring the the drug testing for the BMBF for the whole season, and we are both sponsoring the British finals and the um the professional Grand Prix. Oh. So and then Rick Ricks and Strom have also got a qualifier. They're doing the BMBF Birmingham show, but oh. I'm. I'm not. I'm not sponsored. The HR Labs aren't sponsoring the qualifier this year, but we are sponsoring the Britain. Oh, nice. So, this, I thought the standard that showed the, the weekend was good. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I did think it was good. There was only 34 competitors, but I think a lot of that's to do with the fact that um, there's just so many shows on this year. I'm sure there was more than that because I thought Mike said to me there's 50 something. Mm. Oh, maybe that was a few. I think it was. Thir- I think it was. Thir- I think there was. 34, and then there's 40-something if if you took it into consideration how many people were doing classes more than once. 
Yeah, some, guys, some 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 guys did three classes, I think. They did bodybuilding, classic, and 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 masters. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, there or thereabouts, but um, yeah, I thought the stand was good. I quite liked the Phoenix Club in the end. Yeah, in the end. Yeah. In the end, yeah. I was. I, I made a joke about it looking like the Phoenix Club when I walked in, and then um, after that, I saw uh, that a Peter K impersonator was actually playing the following weekend. So it just confirmed what I thought. Right. I just thought it's the stage. Weird. The stage looked good, and the standard was good. I thought, and it was well run. Went through in four hours, and obviously, I, there's been a bit of uh, a bit of heat come off the back of it because certain people weren't happy with their placings, but. It's one of those. If um, I, I I find that very strange. I don't understand why people. Again, that's social media's fault. If people get a bad decision at a show or what they feel is a bad decision, then they go and air their kind of dirty laundry on social media, and it's not good. It's not a good look for them, and it's not it's not fair on the on the uh, on it's the not, federation or the judges involved. It's also not fair on other competitors that were stood next to them. Yeah, exactly. But they don't give a fuck, do they? So. People say like them saying like, "Oh, you were shit. You shouldn't have won." Like, well, that's not very nice. In, a, in effect, yeah. Without saying it, that's what they're saying, isn't it? But I mean, you get. And the thing that frustrates me with that is that then they'll post photos on on socials, and then you'll get their friends and and other people saying, "Oh, without a doubt, you were the best." Looking at two and three stage shots, which you know yourself from being a judge, is vastly different than being sat in front of them. Yeah, oh, even, massive. Even when you're sat in an audience and you're sat at the back of an audience or you're sat in a theatre, you still even then don't have the same vantage point that a that a judge has sat two meters in front of the stage. You know. Yeah, you cannot see if you're sat a bit further back. You cannot see the little things. Like you can't see, mate. You've got pecked hair. You can't see, mate. You've got fucking shit tons of gyno. The injection sites that you can see. You cannot see all of those little things sat in back that you can see when you're right up close. You can't see where someone's got like one lap bigger than the other. Yeah. Or one lap bigger than the other. You can't see it as well because you're so far back. You can't see the layer of water they've got on them. You you can't see it. When you're sat right at the front and they're right in front of you, you can see all that. See everything exactly. That's I, I do find it funny, man. It, it, bottom line is right, if you turn up if you turn up to a bodybuilding show and you're ten weeks out and you're like, okay, I'm doing the show today, you're like, well you should be doing a show in ten weeks, mate. Yeah. Um, then really, and you expect to win, it's almost disrespectful to everybody else that's standing on stage with you. Because if you can, if you think you can turn up fat and take a win, you're again, you're in the wrong sport. Yeah. And also, and I know our judging panels, one of the most experienced judging panels. Well, that's, uh, I mean, I was going to say, like, even like Mike and Lisa. Even when I was competing, when the when the UK BFF was the EFBB, that's and like I say, that's you know twenty twenty years ago. Yeah, Mike 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 was Mike was judging. You know, they were they're both um, IFBB pro judges. You got yeah. Paul Armstrong on there, Brett Smith. There's a lot of us. Yeah, to, to say that the judges are inexperienced or whatever else, based on the fact that you know you turn up, you're not in condition, and you you're not you know. Your physique wasn't right in the day, but it happens. All it seems to happen quite a lot with um, with FitX, but that's possibly only because as a brand we're involved with it. So it, I would imagine it does happen at the PCA and other and other federations, but because we don't sponsor their shows, and I'm not close with the guys that that run it, you know, yeah. we're not kind of privy to it. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a shame. But everything else there was it was really good. Yeah. Good. That bikini girl's insane, Naya. Oh, she's very good. Yeah. I, I, I thought I recognised her. She, she won the NFM UK show as well, didn't she? Yeah, the week before, yeah. Really? Yeah, no, she was really good. And, and, and uh, Nath Styles is um, uh guy uh, that he was coaching. I, I know Nath, I don't know the guy, but he's, he's F- Felly, they were all calling him. Something fell. I can't remember. The guy that, that. won. The guy that won. Was it Robert? Rob? Rob Fell, yeah. His 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 uh his condition was phenomenal. Oh really, really good. Absolutely. And what did you give the overall winners? <laughs> you oh. set me up, yeah. No, this is meant to be good. Part, part of the back. <laughs> what was I supposed to have given them? No, this this year, last year, obviously, all the qualifiers, whoever the brand was that was sponsoring the qualifier, um, gave. Uh, sponsorship for a year. Anybody that won the show won a year sponsorship, but because there were a few brands that weren't particularly happy with uh, some of that setup, that wasn't rolled into this year. Yeah. So the the guys, I I just uh, everybody that competed at the weekend got a tub of our pre workout defib. I thought that was really good. Yeah, every, every single competitor so got 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 a defib V three. Um, and then, yeah, for the for the actual for the winners themselves, we didn't we didn't roll out sponsorships or anything this year. So you didn't. I just thought maybe you'd given them. I don't know what you're giving them. <laughs> yeah, a high five. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, I get you, and I get why it wasn't for some some things. Like I won my sponsorship with Compact, and that was great. But I think if you were some, like if you were someone that was already quite well known and you'd already got say like a supplement sponsorship, yeah, in that and then you've won that sponsorship, it also puts the competitor in quite an awkward situation. Well, that happened quite a few times last year as well. That happened. There was, there was people that were obviously CM, CMP are a big are a big sponsor and are, are are quite heavily involved with FitX and Fit Expo and and one of their guys who's really well known on social media, um. Uh, a classic physique guy, and and it's obviously sponsored by CMP. One whatever qualifier he did that was sponsored by another brand. Yeah, and, you know he obviously couldn't take it. Well, he didn't. You know he wouldn't. He wouldn't want it because he's he's already he's already well set up. So it, it was it was it was it was a it was worth trying. I think it was it was worth trialing. But it I think I think uh, there was there was quite a few different reasons as to why they didn't roll it on. You know. Which isn't to say, obviously, as a brand, and you can you can sponsor anybody, you know, you can you can yeah. approach anybody you want to sponsor them. So it's not to say that there there aren't people this year that aren't going to win, win win the shows, and 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 the the brands that are involved might not want to work with them, you know. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, so my first proper question is on the list. Well, actually, no, it's not my first one. Oh, we just talked shit for thirty minutes about nine, and now you're not even, now you're going to ask me actual it- questions. No, because actually you did the who are you question and how was the show question. The next one is what led you to creating HR Labs? Um, To be like like I touched on previously, so I've been doing this for, uh, I've been involved in the industry for a little over 18 years, a quick timeline. I started working in my friend's sunbed and supplement store when I was at college in Edinburgh um, when I was 19. So that's 20 years ago. Uh, and they used to be the Scottish distributor for Dorian Yates Approved, which was 
what CNP was in the first instance, um, yeah. way back when, when Dorian was still competing and whatever in Mr. Olympia. Um, so I, I did that. And at the time I was studying uh, media and culture, cultural studies at, at the at, at uni. Um, and then I kind of knocked that on the head and I'd started competing at that point. So I was taking a greater interest in supplements and sports nutrition and, you know, kind of every aspect of, of training and, and whatever. Uh, and then a friend of uh, a friend of a friend was opening, opening a supplement store in a, in a little town called Falkirk and they were looking for somebody to, to manage it. So then I started doing that. Um, we set that up and got it running and it was doing well. Back when retail stores weren't kind of, uh, certainly, sorry, back when kind of e-commerce stores and the online side of things wasn't as big, you know, supplement shops and gyms were still probably the primary place that people went to get their, their supplements, you know? Um, and so I did that and then, we got somebody else involved in the shop and I went to work with this particular brand um, as a sales executive. I wound up staying with them for 10, 12 years. Um, and that's why I moved down to England because they relocated to England because we've got our own manufacturing facility. So then off the back of that and being sales director ultimately with them, um, we also started contract manufacturing. So I got to learn about all that kind of side of the, the industry. So as well as obviously being kind of front of house and selling the products, um, I got involved in the kind of formulation side of things and the blending and all the aspects of the kind of uh, manufacturing process, uh, buying in raw ingredients, everything like that. Um, and then off the back of that, I wound up going and working in business development for another contract manufacturer that was literally just sen- selling blending services and and only involved in the kind of production side of things. And I wasn't really enjoying it because... I didn't get to see anybody in the sense that I like being out in gyms. I like being at shows and I didn't need to do any of that. That wasn't part of my job, you know? Um, ultimately I was, I was there to get, you know, fill, fill the blenders, you know, and get, get, get new contract manufacturing clients. Um, so whilst I was still working for them, I, I started playing around with a couple of formulas for a pre-workout and a fat burner. Um, and that was where the original defib um, and fever um came from and then off the back of that i just decided that i'd been doing it for other people for a very long time um and i had all the tools that i needed to kind of go out and try and try and do it myself that was it so from yeah in 2018 i kind of um left the role that i was um uh, with a contract manufacturer in the business development side of things and uh registered uh, HR labs um as a as a as a company and then from it took, it took the best part of uh six months or so for me to kind of pick my production partners and working through samples and and all the rest of it uh to 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 get where we were happy to launch and I launched in uh with actual physical product in, in January in 2019, just with, with DFib initially. And also I got myself quite involved with, um, with CBD when it launched. So we actually launched with uh, DFib and a CBD and the CBD was excellent, but unfortunately um, the legislation and everything else at the time was very much working against CBD manufacturing, CBD sales. And, 
um, from day one, uh, I had issues with um, PayPal, Shopify, and everybody else when I was trying to sell the CBD online. Probably to the detriment of the brand, actually, in, in the first instance. Be because of that, I lost the ability to use these different platforms for HR Labs. Um, so moving forward, I had to go with more obscure payment providers and things like that. And it actually just became such a chore and a battle to try and continually relist this CBD product that unfortunately we had to stop doing it. Um, so that was, yeah, that's a little snippet for you. That's the, we, we no longer, we no longer have it, which is a shame, but, um, cause the CBD business is thriving, but I think it's very much. I use CBD all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's not it for a short while. And I, I, I mean, cause uh, big brands like applied nutrition, optimum nutrition, um, you know, in, in Glambia that own Optimum, you know, these guys were kind of getting involved in the CBD side of things as well. But then again, <clears throat> because of the novel foods aspect and the and the kind of application processes and all the different kind of hurdles that you had to jump, they very quickly the sports nutrition industry kind of decided that you know it was it wasn't for them. So you, you'd have noticed that when it first launched, there was all these recovery products that people were doing and using sport that came from the supplement side of things, yeah, and then yeah. the, and then the CBD kind of became very much a, its own entity, you know? So CBD brands are very much CBD brands and that is it, you know? Okay, some of them might be involved in in, in vaping and that kind of side of things, but the the kind of split between sports nutrition and CBD is quite, you know, distinct now. And for us, for a short period of time, when CBD was, you know, first coming through, it looked like it was going to be, become an integral part of the kind of sports nutrition industry, but it just it just didn't happen like that because of the, like I say, because of the kind of the restrictions that are in place, which is ridiculous, really. Um, and I mean, I I know that it's been it's an approved novel food now, but even though it's an approved novel food, people like PayPal um, still won't authorize the sale of it, despite the fact that you can buy it from Boots, you can buy it from Superdrug, you can buy it from Tesco, all these different places. You can buy it from them online. And PayPal will facilitate those sales, but if you're an independent or um, you know, or, or a smaller, uh, you know, a small medium enterprise, then they won't. And if you query that and question it with them, then they'll just tell you that they uh, they don't um, they don't comment on individual cases. So I mean, I was a member of the Cannabis Trades Association, which is about certainly even when I joined was about a thousand businesses strong, and they kind of um, approached approached PayPal and said, listen, you know, we've got a thousand businesses here, uh, you know, which, you know, collectively is a huge, you know, a huge portion of the, the market in the UK. You know, why, 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 why can they not use your, your payment platform, which is obviously, you know, worldwide to, to sell this product. And, and yet these guys can, and again, it was just like fell on deaf ears. So it's just a weird one, but it's, 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 it's a shame because like you said, I, 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 I actually highly rate it. You know, um, and I think it certainly serves its purpose for people that train um, and athletes and all the rest of it. But in terms of being a supplement brand in the UK and trying to market it alongside the rest of your range, it's just not feasible. So, it's yes, yeah, so I got. I body pads, 2019, loads of CBD stuff and being given like CBD water. CBD. I remember they put something on my hand and then told me to lick it, and that was like some CBD stuff. Uh, they were doing loads of stuff, and then it went all quiet. And now you yeah. just vapes and stuff, don't you? I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm sure that's that's why it's 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 because it's it's so it, it went from the point where it wasn't really regulated at all, 
And so you had anybody, you know, you had like bathtub CBD brands, you know, which which is no good. And I understand that. But then I went to the point where you had these, uh, you know, GMP, uh, good manufacturing practice, kind of, you know, highly regulated ISO 9001 kind of manufacturers manufacturing it. And it still wasn't, you know, easy to sell it. It's just, it's just a very kind of difficult industry. So I, I, I kind of just cashed out. I say cashed out and make fuck all. I just get, <laughs> but we just stopped. We just stopped. We just stopped with the CBD. Which, like I say, we had a thousand milligram and a two thousand milligram oil, and they 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 were fucking phenomenal. Um, and our manufacturing partner, um, who are uh, a Edinburgh based company, um, their uh, owner was on the board of uh, directors for the Cannabis Trade Association, and he was uh, an advisor to the Scottish Parliament on cannabis reform. So I couldn't really have had anybody partnered with anybody that, you know, was, was more knowledgeable. And that's the shame. It's the fact that we had that great link up and that and everything, but it's just the rest of the rest of the, it was going to just, just too difficult. You know, I don't get me wrong. Like they're thriving as a manufacturer, they're thriving. But like I say, I think it's very much, you've got to be fucking CBD through and through. And that's what you're all about. And that's what your brand's all about. Cause then it's worth it. You know, I was actually getting, I was having to pay um, interest on sales for all our other products that were like some ridiculous rate just to enable us to sell the CBD. And like, so I was losing, I was losing money on selling, selling defib pre-workout and whatever else in our range, just to enable us to sell the CBD with this kind of what they termed as a high risk payment provider, you know? And it just, it just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be long term sustainable. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, when you made HR Labs, what makes you different from any other brand now? Uh, I think we very much stuck to our guns. And when we launched, it was with the idea of being fully transparent, um, a performance based brand. So, if you notice, the vast majority or pretty much all of our products are. are ultimately geared towards improving performance recovery um you know we don't have a huge health range we don't have a health range at all really uh, although um certainly right on would would fit that you know kind of fit that category but um we're the, the range is performance based and um i wouldn't say price is not a basically we Borings, I'm sitting looking at it now. Well, like we launched, for example, we launched a product called Level Up. And to be fair, it was the the most ridiculously loaded intra workout that's ever been brought to market. But it came at a price and it was $54.99 for, for 28 servants. And it lasted, did it last two years? And people loved it, but it was never going to sell in volume because the price point was just that bit too high. But I literally designed the product for myself. I was like, if I was going to design an intro workout product that was the most beneficial, that legitimately was going to, you know, improve my recovery significantly, reduce DOMS, um, you know, help me recover faster, get back in the gym quicker, and I, you know, no expense spared, what would I make? And that's where Level Up came from. And pretty much with everything, it was like, okay, if I could make this product for myself, no expense spared, what would I do? Um, and really, that's what we've tried to do with every category that we've entered. So, you know, same, same with DFib. Now, DFib's 
really very reasonably priced, especially for what it is. Um, but we tried to take a kind of more unique approach in our formulation. We didn't want to kind of go with cookie cutter pre-workouts that every other fucker is doing the same thing with. You know, I tried to use the research that I'd done, um, new data, new ingredients. We were the first brand in the UK to use a uh, first brand in the world. I get underselling myself there. We were the first brand in the world to use an ingredient called an extra, which is a caffeine amplifier, um, improves kind of focus and energy, uh, and it's it's now prevalent throughout the industry worldwide. Um, it's you know you you generally see it in most pre workouts now, um, and that that's it. It was just to do something different. And again, we kind of pitched ourselves as a premium brand because it's very easy to bring out, you know, something with cool branding, a, a nice name, tastes good, and a generic formula. And then if you've got the marketing budget and you've got the the kind of savvy and the, and the funding to do so, you're probably going to make a success of your brand. But I mean, there's there's so many that middle ground is occupied and and by by so many people that you're never going to stand out and as a you know self-financed kind of startup um you know hr labs was all just you know personal investment and, and, and whatever else we didn't have any you know funding from corporate anything like that i thought you know you could launch a whey protein powder but ultimately you're going to have to make it taste great, whatever else. And then what are people going to buy it on price and what are you going to buy it on and what, how's your margin going to be? It's going to be dictated by price and volume again. And, you know, I might be buying 10,000 units, you know, across a bunch of flavors in, in, in any one order. And you've got huge, big corporates buying a quarter million, you know, yeah. uh, units in any one order. So their price points, you know, significantly lower than mine. So they've got better margin. They can afford to be more aggressive and I just didn't want to get involved in that kind of side of things. I thought if you make products which are unique, like no code uh, are a essential amino acid product that's also got um, other ingredients in there to help with muscle protein synthesis, recovery, um, hydration. You know, it's a, it's a really well-dosed kind of EAA MPS product. It's significantly more expensive than a lot of the standard basic EAAs on the market but it's entirely unique. So people can see the value in it. You know, not everybody, obviously, but you know, if people want that extra, because it is, it's, it's better than a basic EAA, but yeah. if and we're trying to cater for those people that are looking for that extra one, 2%, you know, so they can justify the extra 10, 15 pounds to buy that product because they know they are going to have that little bit extra recovery. They're going to, you know, be getting the extra benefits that the product offers. Um, and I, su I suppose that's what we've tried to do with everything, which means that we're not selling in the same volume as you would if you were bringing out these more basic products, more affordable products, especially now with the cost of living crisis. Why would you buy no codes, which is $39.99, when you can buy a basic EA for $19.99, literally half the price, you know? And that's a challenge, I guess, we're facing, but we have a very loyal customer base and the more the consumer becomes educated with all the social media and all the youtube and all the different things that are available online and coaching and all these different aspects of the industry the more that people are you know that have got money are realizing okay well i still get benefit you know i'll get additional benefits from using no code or buy no code and when they buy it and they do use it we'll find that 
we're quite lucky in that we we retain our customers because we're not selling shit. We're not we're not you know selling lies. We're like brutally honest with the fact that okay, this costs this costs more money, but use it. See what you think. We don't think you'll stop using it. And generally, that's fortunately for us has been the case. You know, um, I think that's very much the thing. If you just want a cheap EAA or a cheap pre workout or cheap protein. You go and you just buy whatever is the cheapest. You can go home bargains now and get a pre-workout for ten pounds. Yeah, and that's fine. It's great, and it don't get don't get me wrong. Actually, some of the some of my uh, my friends in the industry who work for other brands have specific specifically developed pre-workouts that cater for that price point. Yeah. You know, are they as good as Defib? Absolutely not. Do they serve a purpose? Yeah, they do. And you know, you'll get um, review channels and. And uh, all right, Tarek, how's it going, mate? Um, and other other things like that that will slag it off, but um, you know they they they're fully transparent with the fact this is we're catering for us, you know, a certain budget. We're catering for this, and if people want to buy it, they can. They don't have to, you know. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, I think if you make a really shit pre workout and then you market it at like forty fifty quid, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you're then you're a cunt. <laughs> really clever marketing here yeah and like you know all this stuff that goes into formulations think it's great but you do you get people where i used to work i worked at legend center's gym and people wanted cheap pre-workout because they just basically wanted caffeine all yeah. they wanted was a cup of coffee because they just wanted to have some caffeine and they liked to put beta amine because it made their face itchy and therefore it works yeah i can't fucking stand beta amine personally just need to take it regularly, and then you won't get that. That that's that. The paresthesia is a uh, uh, is a side effect of having uh, low muscle uh, carnosine levels. Yeah. So if you use like our product, our saturation product, basic, you take it. It, you take it every day. Then after, after you get through a month, you have to you have to stick with it. The tingles oh. go. They they they, they disappear. I've got basic, and I take it every now and again, and then I'm like, oh. that's where you're going wrong. You see, no, I, I, I take I, it every day. Then, then the itch, then the itching goes. Yeah. Then it goes. Then you'll be right. I'll get, I'll get back on it. Yeah, we've got basic and we've got no code. Obvious. Yeah. yeah, you need to take you. You literally, if you take basic every day, then you'll get to that point where eventually you don't get the paresthesia anymore. Things go. Yeah, the worst one though. We bought um that Morsier Energy drink. Right. Niacin in it, no. Yeah, niacin and betalamine. And we yeah. were in and we decided to go to like all the posh shops, go around Gucci and that. And honestly, like we'd gone rashy, we'd scratch it. Yeah, it's the niacin flush, that is. The niacin flush there. Supplement needs to uh they do a CV, they do a CV stack product, don't they? This guy Dean's put a heavy duty because niacin's phenomenal, you know, and they put a heavy duty um I've had it in ABA and that makes you go red. Yeah. Yeah, but I think if you take, I'm sure that's only fifty milligrams. I'm sure, I'm sure there's, I'm sure something needs has got something like, I want to say five hundred mg, and that may be wrong. Two hundred fifty mg. It's a heavy, heavy dose anyway. You and you'll know all about that. Don't take that ever. No, I think you need to know because otherwise, like I took the AB one, and like obviously some people out more than others, and I was like really blotchy, like all my face, my chest, and you think like, oh my god, have I had an allergic reaction to this? Because why am I? Red, if you'd gone red and blotchy, if anything else, you'd be like, I'm having some reaction to this. Yeah. But you're not, it's just obviously what's in the product. Um, so is that why you don't do a protein powder then? Because most supplement companies, they do like your basic so we, 
we launched uh, Eat Up. Okay, yeah. A meal replacement, a whole food meal replacement product, and and it was really well received. But again, because the industry has been uh, negatively impacted by um, all the different shit that's been going on in the world, so uh, pricing. Uh, after the pandemic in, in things like uh, protein and creatine and, and kind of uh, raw materials spiked significantly um, from from having that product formulated and quoted um, when we got it formulated and quoted and having the samples made and then signing off on it to actually placing the order I think there was about three or four months between that mm-hmm. and it went up by 50% at cost mm-hmm. but we'd already committed to it so yeah. we wound up bringing a product that was supposed to be coming to market with a retail price of around about thirty nine ninety nine to forty four ninety nine, came to market with a retail price of fifty four ninety nine, and very small margins for ourselves. And when you're telling people that they're getting twenty five meals, and they're only costing them two pound twenty a meal, but they're having to pay fifty five quid to get it, and trying to educate people and say, listen, that's not you're not just getting a protein shake, you're literally getting, you know, because the carbohydrate sources were sweet potato, brown rice, and oats. Um, it had true serve, um, which is uh, uh pharmaceuticals from the states, really cool, um, greens and 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 uh, reds veg blend, and it's actually like a, you know it's not it's not like some of these where they tell you fifty milligrams is the equivalent to sitting down and eating a huge big portion of fruit and veg. This was actually comparable to you know, uh, to to to, to real veg and fruit portions. Yeah. Had that in it. The protein sources were from egg, from uh, Marcella casein, from whey protein concentrate. So really, kind of high, highly bioavailable um, protein sources. And overall, uh, the protein yield, carb yield, and everything, calorie yield. It was like it was, it was equivalent to sitting down and having, you know, chicken and rice and whatever else. And it, it filled you up. So it was it was good. But like I say, trying to get people to part with fifty five quid at one time. If I, if we brought out sashes and we're selling them for two pound twenty a pop, I reckon it probably would have done better. Um, because I know that people grab and go the Huel drinks in the service stations. They're four pounds. People don't think about that, but it's very much always been that way. People will go into a fridge in a gym and they'll pick out a can of whatever energy drink and they'll pick up a protein bar and it'll cost them five pounds. They'll do that five days a week, twenty five quid a week, hundred pound by the end of the month. They won't even think about it. If you ask them to buy that tub of pre workout or whatever else that they're buying single serve every day for thirty quid, oh no, I couldn't do that. It's just the mentality, of, you know. It's how it's it's how it's how it works. So, yeah, unfortunately, because of that, eat up just didn't sell as as well as it as well as it should have. And I think then, I you know, in terms of bringing out a protein powder, it's the same issue we've got at the moment. You know, whey protein uh, concentrate isolate, all you know, milk protein concentrate. They're all they're all they're all kind of that much higher in price at the moment that we'd be struggling to bring something to market that was going to be competitive price-wise. Um, and again, you just... that Protein, to a certain extent, protein is protein, certainly. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, I've got a, a friend who owns a brand called Unrivaled that make a protein product called AGF, and it's absolutely phenomenal. But it's... Despite that, you know, perform, which is a relatively basic way that tastes phenomenal is that is the best-selling protein you know i don't actually rate perform 
as high as everyone else does. Well, I personally can't use Perform because I've got IBS and it aggravates it something something yeah. ridiculous. It, uh, it's that, and I find it quite gritty as well. Right, okay. But any of those cheaper proteins I can't actually use myself, so it would make sense for me to bring out a protein because I would obviously try and formulate one that I could I could use personally. Um, I do I do use AGF, but it's on the actual other side of the spectrum in that it's got so much native whey and, and uh, native micellar casein. It's, it's, it's so unrefined that it's almost too pure, if that makes sense. I mean, they've got colostrum and everything in there as well, which is like almost almost raw. And it's so, again, with me not being particularly tolerant to dairy, I can't use it in volume because otherwise it upsets my stomach as well. So... Um, and that's that. Like I say, that's that's just down to me. Um, everybody else that uses it gets on gets on brilliant with it. But I think that would be, it would it would make sense for me to do it. But I think it would make sense for 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 HR Labs to do it once prices stabilize. Yeah, absolutely. If they ask for it all the time, and it's not like it's not just like Dave that buys from the website is asking for it. It's literally like our, our distribution partners are like, we reckon we could smash through pallets and pallets of away protein if you were to give us it. You know. And it's just deciding which would be the right the right way to go. Because again, if we brought out a generic way that was completely, you know, just basic, the same as everything else on the market, people would be underwhelmed. People wouldn't expect us to do that because everybody expects when we enter a category for us to do something a little different, you know, because uh, it's always been always been the case. And I think if we just bring out, oh, yeah, it's a whey protein concentrate, 80%, whatever else, folk would be disappointed. So it's trying to find a way to enter that category and, 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 and kind of stamp your your own kind of mark on it you know and i think you've got to nail things like the flavor as well yeah and that well again because we, we're we're like renowned for everything that we do tasting phenomenal you know yeah. like our free workouts and everything not just saying it i mean i use i that's the thing I'm, I'm an absolute supplement whore so i use fucking everybody's products i try everything because you you know you've got to and uh I, I honestly don't think anybody's pre-workouts taste as good as ours you know uh our basic again tastes tastes phenomenal or, or every, everything tastes really good so if again if we were to bring out a, bring out a, a protein it would need to taste it would need to be right right up there on taste so it's a, it's a massive investment a lot of people a lot of people say oh when's the next product coming out and um, i've actually got um quite a few different formulations for different categories just sat there but every time you launch a new product you know there's, there's a significant investment uh, and at the moment, even keeping our existing product line in stock is difficult because, well, for example, DFib was out of stock for six weeks because FedEx sent our own spec Macunapurians that we get manufactured in China to fucking France. Really? We went to Manchester. I mean, I know they sound similar, France and Manchester, but... Um, I often get confused with the two. <laughs> yeah. so, right. It went AWOL. See him. <laughs> I thought, what am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 got it went AWOL, and then because it's our own spec, they didn't have it. Obviously, as a stock item, they needed to then remanufacture it. So before you know it, you've lost six weeks, and like we had, so we had no defib, and it's our hero skew. You know, people buy off the back of defib, so distributors and retailers and everything. If you've not got defib, they'll go, oh, "We'll wait until you've got defib back in stock." Yeah, but I will take some basic, take some no code. They want the full range. You know, yeah. which is understandable. They don't want bits and bobs, and so like things like that, prices, price fluctuations, 
lead times, cash flow. Unfortunately, there's quite a few retailers that are struggling at the moment. So, you know, it's probably worse than ever for 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 um for brands and people companies like 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 ourselves in industry, you know, you're offering credit, but people are defaulting on their terms. So if you've got, you know, X amount of thousand pounds lying out that you can't get back in, then that obviously impacts your ability to buy. So all that going on and trying to just keep the keep the the range moving and uh and also we get inquiries every week from, from overseas um you know distribution out with the the UK's a kind of a big a big thing for us it's what we want to you know we want to kind of uh do moving forwards is is get international distribution you know through different different territories and 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 obviously having the entire range in stock that we have at the moment is is crucial to be able to you know facilitate that so adding a new product almost just adding an extra headache kind of thing you know i guess it's not just you either i'm guessing it's quite a lot of yeah i mean i, I don't know what it is i think um i think i'm potentially more honest because i mean i just say it as it is but you're like if you speak to if you watch instagram or you watch social media and a lot of brands will try and make out that they're flying, everything's brilliant. And it's it's very much not the case because Brexit is a headache. Like it's a fucking huge headache trying to get things into Europe. Uh, it is, it's really very difficult and bringing things in as well. Like a lot of the, the vast majority of, of, of the tubs and lids and everything that all the, all the UK brands use come from Europe. Um, and then the knock on effect, of the pandemic um, with, you know, factories in China and things like that haven't shut down for so long. We're still feeling the effects of that now. You know, they still haven't got the production back to where it needs to be because the demand that was created by everything shutting down, all the reserve stocks were used. And so lead times for things um, are still ridiculous. We, we've had to change the color on our next batch of fever, um, the capsule color, sorry, because we got a 36-week lead time for the blue and white capsules. So we've, we're, we've had to go to all blue. But you'll notice that a lot. Of, I mean, we had to go with black lids on our tubs instead of the usual silver lids. And it's not just us. Other companies are affected. They just try to play it down, you know? Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, very very much. I mean, even, yeah, brands, brands. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I work closely with the, the Cell HR Labs and their own stuff. You know, they've, I know I know that they've had issues with, with, with parts of their range. The thing is, though, if you've got a big range and you've got 30 or 40 products and five of them are out of stock, it's not the end of the world. Whereas if you've got a really concise range like HR Labs does, and you've got eight products and five of them are out of stock, you're fucked. <laughs> you know, that's it. So that's it, where the. It, I, I've definitely noticed it with buying stuff for myself, with clients and stuff. It's sometimes you're like, okay, this is what I like. Where can I buy it from? And you go on every site. Like, there's loads of them. Yeah. From, buy it from most of the stuff I get from Subshack or Strom. And then you've also got like other places as well. You've got Full Bore. You've got um, reload. You've got uh, load up. You've got so many, and you find yourself you're going on each site, and you're like, right, sold out. Okay, next one, just try this. Sold out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So hard. Like I definitely think I'm a. Obviously, like you said, you're on here and you're being honest, but I definitely think a lot of people are suffering from the same. Same thing. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, they've got to be because, like I say, I mean, certainly the capsule shortages. You cannot foresee that there's going to be issues that are potentially going to take a year to rectify. So even with a, you know, even with all the hindsight in the world, your, your, your production partner is never going to buy 
two and three years worth of capsules in a one or just in case, are they? It's just not how it's just not how it works. So you know, yeah, de- definitely people are getting caught out. Yeah, I would say it's probably it's probably more of an issue for for brands like us because we've got such a you know we've got a really quite a small range and um our our range is all very much performance based you know there's not we don't have a product that people couldn't then go and buy a cheaper variant of or an alternative of somewhere else if that makes sense you know because it's pre-workouts intra workouts you know again the only one that they would be right on, you know, that they, they couldn't they couldn't really find a comparable product at all anywhere. But um or or a replacement product. Because we don't, you know, we don't have staples, like we don't have like vitamin D, we don't do a, a straight up creatine, we don't do a multivitamin. Um and potentially if we did, uh it may it would mean that obviously when these other products go out of stock that you know we'd still have that consistent kind of consistent kind of revenue coming in from these different things but again it's it's just not what we're about there's, there's, there's brands like strom and supplement needs that are doing you know i've got phenomenal health ranges so if we're going to throw our hat in the ring we'd want to be doing something that was that was different again i don't understand why we want to just bring out something that's going to compete with you know people that people that i'm i you know i work closely with anyway yeah absolutely what would you actually i want to talk about fever because i I think this is actually a really good product. Which is out of stock. <laughs> Listen, we've got, um, we had issues. We had issues bringing some stuff in from China and then, which took us two months to resolve and we did. And now the UK brand that's, uh, sorry, the UK um, distributor of uh, InnoSlim, which is um, a really good ingredient that's we've got a big dose of in fever. Is uh has been waiting two and three weeks for their for the restock coming from the US. Yeah. So we have the batch ready to rock once the Innoslim gets here. Right, we'll talk about it anyway because people go back and listen to the podcast. So if you listen to this not this week, then uh, it might. If be you listen to it in three weeks' time. You should buy Fever. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and people do because I see it on the thing. Like people do watch, like listen to the podcast, like years after I've recorded them. Um, but fever actually works because I think there's a lot of fat burners on the market which I wouldn't go near or make you feel very, very ill. Yeah. What's different about what you've created with fever then? The thing about fat burners as a category is that obviously they get a bad rap because the name fat burner, especially now, like in, in the in the modern day, you know, people are very much against it. Because it's it's, it, I suppose to a certain extent it's misleading, isn't it? You know the term fat burner because it's not like you know you don't take the you don't take the product and then you know that's all you've got to do and you lose weight and that's that's kind of what the name insinuates, I suppose. So it's kind of got a it gets a bad rap for that, and then it also a lot of fat burners historically have just been literally energy pills. Yeah, that's it. You know they've not actually had anything in them other than stimulants. So. And stimulants and laxatives. Oh, laxatives in your fat burners. Like, yeah, some of them have got like not. Yeah, like... to be fair, well, to be fair, like the 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 kind of the ones that you buy from the chemist that are marketed in that sense have got things that make you go to like that booty. Right. 
we discussed this b- before in the podcast with someone and um my friend had it and she was like I just wanted to try it and she was like does it burn you fat absolutely not but does it make you go for shit yeah so if you want to be regular I mean that's great but it's not supposed to be the whole the whole concept behind that is that it's binding to fat when you have your diet blah 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 but it's just all bullshit anyway yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing with fever is it's actually got ingredients which you know massively increase energy expenditure things like paradoxin um which you know have been clinically proven in human human studies to um help to uh brown white adipose tissue and obviously make it available there for burning and utilizing his energy and all the rest of it um there's it's it's just there's more thoughts being put into it, I suppose. It has got stimulants in it there, obviously, because if you're in a calorie deficit and you're knackered, then a lot of people, especially when they're coming to this point in prep, they'll rely on fever in the morning to kind of give them a kick, you know? Um, but then it's got, you know, and stimulants by in their nature will suppress your appetite. But they've also got the kind of cognitive benefits you get from it, so it'll make you more alert, and it'll enable you to work harder for longer, you know? So... There's those things there, the thermogenic kind of properties of it with the pro-GVB and the paradoxin. Um, things like inner slim, which have a positive impact on kind of glucose disposal and 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 the rest of it. So it's all it's all geared like synergistically to work towards helping us work harder for longer, increasing your energy expenditure, um, giving you that energy when you're when you you know when you've not got it yourself. Um, and and yeah, people people tend to like it, and we've dosed it. One through three capsules. So I, again, I think a lot of fat burners fall down in that it's a one size fits all model. And yeah. like, pardon me, things like Shredable, which, um, which was a, probably the the market the market leader for a long time. I think it's banned in the UK now, but it was one capsule, and a one capsule for a, for a lot of people was just far too much, so they couldn't use it. It was like you either use it. At one cap, or you don't use it at all. Whereas with fever, it's so highly dosed that one capsule's effective, two capsules is effective, and three capsules is kind of optimal. But um, split throughout the the course of the day, um, in two two doses, three doses. But it's rare that people use three capsules. But it, it does give people that option. So for your stim heads and your people that like that feeling, they can take the three capsules in a day. But if you want to just kind of start using a fat burner and you're not used to stimulants and you want to kind of build up to it gradually and, you know, assess your tolerance, you can use one capsule. Yeah. And um, could you use that alongside DFib or would you say probably not? You wouldn't, I wouldn't use it at the same time just because it's obviously quite uh, quite highly dosed with stims. It's got the R.I. Gerensis in it. It's got a bit of orange extract, which is a natural source of cinephrin. And it's got um, uh, 350 milligrams of caffeine across three capsules. So even at one cap, you're 100 and, you know, 112 and a half megs of caffeine which is equivalent to a strong cup of coffee so i wouldn't i wouldn't use it you could use it in the same day but i wouldn't use it at the same time so, so maybe if, in the morning then defib defib yeah depending on when you train so if you train first thing you might want to you might want to have your defib and then obviously if you know if you're training at nine o'clock in the morning or whatever eight nine o'clock in the morning then you could have your you could have your fever at two in the afternoon the only thing the only time you would want to take i would always say take your last fever kind of five six hours before you go to bed yeah. Yeah, maybe longer. Six, yeah. Six six to eight hours before you go to bed. Makes sense. We'll do some questions on Instagram. Did this... you get a lot? Yeah, I got a couple. 
couple, two. You're actually going to want to answer. Eh? This question, I don't know if you're actually going to want to answer. So you might just be like, no, can you cut this, please? <laughs> what, happened to, what happened to Riot Act? What happened to Riot Act? Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to answer that? Well, because that's not HR Labs. That's a different company. No, oh, HR Labs. Right, Act was HR Labs. Oh, well, it was HR Labs. Oh, then you can answer it. Yeah, uh, basically, it. so we launched it just before the, was it the second major lockdown or the third one? When did we all get locked up again in, in the January? Remember we got locked up for four months in the January. Was that 2022? 21. 21. We didn't get locked down at all in 22. 21 then. So literally in December, they were like, oh, I think we're all going to be fucked again. And literally we got fucked again. So I I launched Riot Act in the December. So let's say it was December. Must have been December 2020 then. Yeah. So I launched, we launched Riot Act. It sold out. And it was literally like the demand for it was through the roof. And then, oh, and then in January, we got locked down for four months. And obviously, a high stim pre-workout when you're training at home or with bands or rolling about your garden, fucking whatever you were doing to try and stay fit, isn't really, you know, of any benefit. And so then when we tried to bring it back again in the, in the May, it was almost like it was, it had run its course because there was this huge hype about it. And then lockdown killed the hype. And then when we brought it back again, folk were like, oh, yeah, that, that old old pre that was out last year. That was kind of how folk thought about it. Um, and so it just it just didn't, it didn't have the legs. And a lot of people thought it made them feel a little bit trippy. I mean, it was very, it, again, it was quite niche because it was so high stim, but it also had a huge dose of canner in it, which is um, a kind of adaptogen, nootropic, like... Can make people kind of feel like this heightened awareness and whatever else. So that coupled with the stims, it 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 had a little bit of a trippy vibe to it for for quite a lot of people that they didn't like. Um, it tasted like shit because we actually used the botanical extracts. Uh, we weren't just using the um, the Kigelia Africana. A lot of people used that as a front in the states, or certainly did for a long time uh, to to cover up for the fact they were putting DMHA and other kind of elicit stims in pre-workouts whereas we actually used um the the botanical extract that we had to source from south africa um and so that coupled with the juniper berry coupled with the canna which is very gritty um it literally was like if you got your spice cupboard and like poured it in a pint of water that's kind of what it mixed up like it wasn't it the best um so that that was that was a factor and then also um trading standards came down really hard on canna and Kigelia Africana. Uh, and so we got contacted by the Food Standards Agency and Trading Standards about the fact that um, somebody had reported us for 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 right, uh, for right Act being, you know, uh, illegal to sell, which was bullshit, actually, because everything in it at that point in time, nothing was banned. Um, but fortunately, we had just sold out our last batch. So it was just, it was kind of like the, the nail in the coffin, or certainly it was like a sign for us to, to kind of wind up. So that was it. But we've had a lot of hassle with trading standards. I don't know. They must be bored in Wiltshire. 
we're based in Swindon and Wiltshire, and they, they seem to have a lot of time to get in touch with, with HR Labs about various different things, whereas yeah. other companies are doing things that are literally illegal, and we get pulled up for wording on labels being incorrect or something else. You know, you'll get brands in the UK that are claiming that they can uh, improve this, that, the next thing, have a beneficial effect on you if you've got cancer, do this, do this, do that, whatever else. Literal medical claims and all our compliance and whatever else on our labeling is all pretty, pretty damn good. And we still get picked up. Um, so I, I don't know. I suppose if we're ruffling feathers and people are grassing on us, competitors and things, we must be doing something right. Yeah. Because I remember at the Arnold's last year, where you didn't say hello to me, um, I went with... I did actually send you, send you a card. Oh, I never received the card. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went with, uh, you know, Adrian, who owns Alpha Neon. Yeah. We went for a walk round and we got given this sachet of pre-workout from a new company and she was looking at it and obviously she knows quite a lot about it because she's obviously works with Adrian and everything. And she was like, a lot of this stuff is banned. And was, she, was it an American brand, no? Pardon? Was it an American brand? No, they were English. No? Asked them. She said, hmm. oh, where are you based? And they said, oh, London, blah, blah, blah. And they were saying about it. And um, yeah, she was like, I'm pretty sure this is banned. And they've got like a sleep product like Gabarin and all sorts. And I was like, that's all. That's yeah, that. Gabarin and Melatonin, that's the two that, for whatever reason, again, there's multiple companies that are using these ingredients and they're getting away with it. And it's, you know, fair fucks to them, but it's it's very much not an even playing field. But then you get brands like, you know, HR Labs and Strum getting pulled up for, you know, the most ridiculous, absurd things. It just doesn't seem to make sense. But yeah, but there. Yeah, we said about it and they were like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're... obviously they didn't know who she was or anything. Oh yeah, no, we're from London. It's all processed there. Like, oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> well done. Yeah, that's the thing. Melatonin in the states is absolutely fine, uh, but in the EU, it's considered to be pharmaceutical, so it's it's a, it's a classified medicine, so you can't use it. And doing it. What was your process behind assembling your athlete team at HR Labs? So, everybody that works with us has either been. Um, using the brand previously or I have a connection with them um, or they just really kind of fit with the the brand's kind of ethos and identity. So like, for example, Kiff, uh, Kiffy West, Chris McCready, who's um, been with us for a couple of years now. He was competing with the BNBF as a junior and I knew Kiff, and he used the full range. Um, and then it was kind of evident that he was going to be something special. And he was, you know, his, his, his strength's ridiculous. His lifts in the gym are crazy. He was getting loads of attention from social media. Um, and he's just a driven little fucker. And we got on brilliant. So it just made perfect sense with his work ethic and everything else. The fact that he used all the products and loved them for us to kind of, you know, start working together. Uh, same Josh. Uh, Law is a good friend of mine. I've known Josh for well, 12 years, 13 years. Ever since he was a, competing as a junior and he's what, 31 now? Um, but he's 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 local to 
to Swindon, which is where we're based. But same again, he's just he'd always use the products, and you know he's again his his work ethics unmatched. He's he's absolutely obsessed with his training. Um, he's a brilliant guy, so it made sense to start working together. Uh, Meg uh, actually won a deadlift comp at the first Fit Expo, um, and took a load of the stuff uh, as her prize and was using it uh, just at the start of her prep. And then um, again, I, I I approached her after after we kind of been speaking back and forward and saying, you know, if you're really enjoying the products, which she was, did she want to come on board? And so she, you know, she did there. So. We get we get asked every, probably every day is a stretch, but certainly every other day or multiple times a week we get people saying you're looking for ambassadors. You know, I'd love to be able to come part of your athlete team, whatever else. And those kind of cold contacts, I don't think have ever worked. I don't think we've ever really taken ever taken anybody on board because again, it's 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 that way that we've only got a very small team, but everybody in the team gets on brilliantly together and. You know, there's a connection, there's a story behind it. And moving forward, I want that to be the case, you know. Um, certainly if they're a fully spot, because we don't kind of do affiliate schemes and like have ambassadors. If you're if you're in, you're all in. That's it, you know. They're like, they're fully integrated members of the team. It washes out, like, if you're affiliating everyone and like, you know, you can't say, oh, Molly, like, if you I give this code, you can, everyone that you're friends with gets 10% off, and like, it kind of, it washes out, like, the how good it actually is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it kind of takes the shine off it, doesn't it? Yeah, massively, massively. So we've got, we've got uh, Rob, Rob, uh, Rob Cannon, who's an IFBB pro, and uh, Scarlett Hollins, his partner, who's also an IFBB pro, you know, both, both really well respected, phenomenal athletes. They, uh, you know they 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 came on on board last year, but then myself and Rob had been speaking for for months. Rob had been using the stuff, so it's like, you know, there's it's never just like, oh, oh, fucking hell, he's good, right? Jump on, mate. It's just not how it is, you know. It's um, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you know if somebody. It's not like an application process and a vet them. It is very much a family, you know. And I think you know Rick. Rick could say the same at Strom. Um, it's it's like. Everybody that's on the team, yeah, they, you know, they're 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 very good at what they do, um, but you know, we're friends as well. So and 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 they all and they all they all work really hard and do their bit. You know, that's the thing. I mean, it's frustrating. It must be frustrating for brands because so many people think that you know, putting their name to something, especially if they've got a lot of followers on social media, you know, they're doing the brand a favor, which is bullshit. Because even these guys were hundred thousand followers, um, you know. Just because they've got hundred thousand followers on social media doesn't mean that they're going to then necessarily generate a shitload of sales for that company. Because if they don't put the work in, and the people don't know that they're using that brand, then you know it's 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 bullshit. So we've got a couple of guys that we work with in the in Ireland uh, through one of our our uh, kind of key retail partners, uh, NI Supplements. So we've got a, a guy over there, Homie and and Adam Maxted. The two of them both both kind of are, are on board with us. Um, but they, you know, we work with them in promoting, you know, buying the brand through NI Supplements over in over in Ireland. Um, is that it? We've got somebody else joining the team this week, by the way. Yay. I'm not telling you who it is, though, because that would... I'm not allowed to. Yeah. Got some new blood coming in. Congratulations to them. One, one, one new member. One new member. 
Yeah. Or will become apparent when my uh, graphic designer gets back to me and tells me when he's going to uh, design their uh, announcement post. Do I know them? Yeah. I do? Yeah. I know them well? Uh, you don't know them well. You know, you'll know who they are. Oh. So Definitely know who they are. Do I know them personally? Nah. Someone you big. definitely know who they are. Someone big. I don't, <laughs> I don't know who they are. I might know them personally. Yeah? You might. I don't know. 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 Well, yeah, there you go. Right, what's... What's your favourite memory with him? With him? Yeah. With who? No. The one that looks like you. What's my favourite memory with Joe? Yeah, he wants to know what your favourite memory is. Of what? Of me and your Joe? Yeah, you and my Joe. <laughs> uh, I can't think. I don't know. I've got a shit memory, though. My oh. favourite memory of me and Joe. Uh, nah, he's done me. I don't know. What's his? <laughs> uh, what needs to get to fucking the fitness industry? I can't do it in your accent, there. What needs to get to fuck in the fitness industry? Uh, <laughs> I'd love to just say social media. <laughs> but then I'm looking like a real old man. Uh, what needs to get to fuck in the fitness industry is... Do you know, I, I, I don't understand. I honestly don't understand. And this is going to be... This is going to be a very unpopular opinion, right? I don't know why everybody that's anybody needs a fucking coach. I, it's, 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 it seems now you cannot start training. Like, just start going to the gym. Oh, you need a coach, mate. No, you don't. You literally don't. You literally do not need, especially with the wealth of information. Like, when I started training, it's not that difficult. Like, building muscle, especially in the, in, in the first instance, it really isn't that difficult. And yeah. I just don't understand why people are being, young guys especially, are being, like, kind of brainwashed into thinking, Right, you just start in training. When's your goal? Compete in three years. Right, you need a coach, off-season coach. You need a you need a start coach. You need this. You don't. You don't. You just don't. I said I'm then, when I'm, I work as a coach. Yeah, I know. Put a disclaimer in, unless you want to be coached by me. <laughs> unless you want to be coached by you, I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people don't need coaches. I just don't think that everybody needs a coach. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think if you're going for the gym just because you enjoy it. I think sometimes then you don't really need it. And I think if you've got a very good understanding and you're going, some people prep about a coach as well. I, mean, but I, I, I also, I also, th I also do think that it's like everybody and anybody thinks they can be a fucking coach and it's bullshit. And a lot of people that are coached by X, Y, and Z are literally just regurgitating their shit and they're making money off it. And I think, I don't think it's right. Yeah. And they don't understand what they're actually saying. This is what annoys me is they don't understand what... Because they're just saying what this person has said. Yeah. They go to take that. They don't understand what they're actually saying. So then when their client goes, I don't really understand that, they just regurgitate the same thing again. I but, mean, it's, it's like... Um, me, and, me and Josh were speaking about it when we were heading up to FedEx, and he was showing me uh, this coach's... Uh, had WhatsApped all these things, and it was like... It was to somebody else, a client of his, mm. that previous coach, and it was like... It's blatantly obvious that that's, there's no chance you'd written all that out, like, individually each time. So those huge WhatsApp messages 
must just be getting forwarded and forwarded and forwarded and forwarded. The same people. Mental, isn't it? So, in, yeah, in the fitness industry, I think it just needs to calm down, man. It's, it's just, it's, it's, uh, everyone's trying to monetize everything, aren't they? And it's like, it's all fine and well when that service is required. But I think, like, people are trying to oversell services now. Like, it's like, oh, you need this. No, you fucking don't. Do you know what I mean? You really don't. Like, the shit that just people just don't need. And it's, and, and like, they're trying to, like, oh, everybody needs X, Y, Z. And before you know it, it's like, oh, I've started going to the gym. It costs a fortune. It fucking doesn't really, does it? It's just your gym membership, really. From day one, it's just your gym membership. And then everyone's trying to say, oh, but you need this, you need that, you need that. And it must it must blow your mind. Like, I'm glad when I went, when I started training, uh, there was no social media, there was nothing. And like I say, I just went down the gym and I was like, oh, what'd you do? Oh, you bench, you deadlift, and you squat, mate. Sounds, what'd you do? Eat a lot of protein, eat a lot of carbs. Right, great, boom. Oh, there you go. And you grow like fuck. You know, it's not that difficult. The industry is so saturated with coaches that each coach needs to then have something that they can then cling on to. Like, yeah, but I tell my clients to do this and it's that. Well, even some of the most popular ones, I was watching someone recently, I'm not going to name any names, like, but they were helping somebody that's a big name and they're a big name and their fucking prep week was an absolute disaster. It was like there was no logic or rationale at all in what they were getting the person to do, but it looked fucking mental, right? It just looked mental. And I'm assuming that's why they were doing it so that they could go, holy shit, look at that crazy thing he did and it, and it worked. And I'm like, Nah. And then they'll go to that coach because they don't understand what they did. Like in reality, peak week should be really fucking simple. Because if your client is ready, your client is fucking ready. Oh yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to fuck somebody up if they're proper down in it. Yeah, but I but think that's so they do this magic thing and then. Well, yeah, but it's, I mean that's been the case for a long time as well. It's what people do with gear, isn't it? You know, people get people. People will. <laughs> pull out certain certain orals or certain compounds, you know, at X amount of weeks out, and then all of a sudden the client loses a shitload of fluid and whatever else and start, holy shit, oh, look at that, he's a magician. No, nah, he's not. He knew exactly what he was doing. You know, yeah. it's, but it's, yeah. But that's, I mean, that, and that's been going on for years, isn't it? So I suppose it's just a modern day version of that. Yeah. Just people think they're magicians. Um, My favourite one, though, on that topic, which I'll just put in there, is when a client's on prep, and their coach like reduces their food up their cardio and goes, I think we'll see a drop this week. And they do, and they're like, I can see things before it happened. If you reduce someone's food and you're up their cardio, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh... Right, see, the wow, few... look, you lost weight. It's mental, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine. Last question. Actually, it's the last question on this bit. Then you've got one more question. What is your favourite song to sing to when he's driving? Brackets late somewhere. <laughs> That's from Josh, isn't it? It is, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, my favourite song oh, is too many. I sung Josh heard me. I serenaded Josh with the whole of Californication for Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's lovely. On a on Saturday night, yeah. And then we did we did pretty much uh, the uh, greatest hits of Green Day. Oh, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much. Anything from the nineties, any rock music from the nineties, Foo Fighters, some in Nirvana, you know, and he, he falls asleep, so it must be good. Yeah, must be soothing. Yeah, maybe you if, could. If, 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 if another... a big man falls asleep, it must be soothing, eh? Yeah, you could record your little songs, and then you could sell them as like um that ASMR, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I could start selling my uh, my uh, car, my car singing coaching as well. Yeah, <laughs> this is how you sing in the car. Yeah, I could coach that. I could yeah. coach that. Wow, Liam's new coaching. You've had it here first, guys. Um, okay, your last question, which everyone gets, is what is the one thing you want everyone listening to take away from today's podcast? What's the one thing I would want everyone to take away from today's podcast? That I can talk. How long have we been talking for? A while, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in terms of HR Labs, I just want to, I would like people to take away that um, it, it, as far as as far as brands go, we're a brand that they can trust. Uh, I'm open and transparent. What you see is what you get. And uh, we're trying our very best to bring the uh, highest quality um, products that we can to market. Uh, there's no bullshit. There's no kind of facade there's no smoke and mirrors you know it's just it just is all about a passion for the a passion for the products and for the industry and uh, training awesome and you're very approachable to talk to as well eh very approachable to talk to as well oh thanks yeah. we get some people and you just think like do I want to talk to them they say <laughs> no yeah. I'm like that every day with a lot of people <laughs> oh god it's him Hiya, mate. How's it going? <laughs> and you do the best reels as well, to be fair. Oh, honestly. Wait, you see this week, I've got an absolute stormer. Is this the flavour one? No, the flavour one's up there. I'm, I'm disappointed that Jose's not commented, I'll be honest. I'll tell him off. Did you watch it? No, I thought you sent it to Joe. No, nah, it's pinned. It's pinned on the profile. Oh, well, I'll go and watch it then. Unless I yeah. have. Yeah, I have watched it. Don't know. Don't know. It's four minutes of your life, you'll never get back. With your bike, yeah, yeah, no, it's not that one. Yeah, no, it? that was that was that was obviously that was my cycling reel. Yeah, starts <laughs> next week. Yeah, is that when it starts? I don't know. I have no clue. I'm not really. I think it's. You're not big in, you're not big in cycling. No, not really. <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you how do you say bye then? See you later. Say bye. Thanks See for listening. You. Please share it on your stories. Tag me and Liam in it. Um, press the follow button. Share it with your friends. Um, enjoy. That's it, really. Bye. Boom. Don't do any little things. So yeah, bye.